listening to the Taming Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Taming Crazy podcast. I'm Alicia, and I'm joined by the lovely Sue tonight. Hello, Sue. Hello, Alicia. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So good. we're missing Deb tonight. She couldn't join us, unfortunately. Oh. Yes. So tonight we're talking about a topic that is uncomfortable for us, and that is racism. We've been wanting to talk about racism on this podcast for a few weeks now, but we've struggled with not knowing where to start or what to say. From the moment we watched in horror as George Floyd was murdered by the police officers and hearing the names of many more black, indigenous and people of colour dying at the hands of law enforcement or being gunned down in the street, we've started to pay attention. That's a very difficult thing to say out loud because we should have been paying attention all along. The Black Lives Matter protests for justice have occurred every day since George Floyd's death. They've grown bigger, they've grown louder, and have spread all over the world. The Black Lives Matter movement is not new. We've seen it many times before, but in all honesty, I don't think we've been listening or taken the time to really understand what it all meant. We are three white women, and for us, the subject of racism is uncomfortable. But what I've realised especially this week, is that we must be willing to talk about uncomfortable things. We must be willing to echo the voices of black people, of the indigenous people and people of colour, or nothing will ever change. How do you feel about that, Sue? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I have been struggling with this. I've been struggling with knowing what to say. I've been struggling with feeling guilty because of those things as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes down to wanting to say the right things and being fearful of getting it wrong. But I think I, I very strongly agree with, you know, we, we can't just sit with our discomfort and, and say, I'm, I'm just going to make myself comfortable again and not talk about it. We, we need to talk about it. And I, I'm really pleased that we are doing this. I'm terrified, actually. <laughs> I've, I've never been this concerned about a podcast episode before. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how we can talk about racism tonight, because there are a lot of people talking about this subject who have experienced racism. Mm -hmm. They've witnessed it and they've lived their entire lives with it. So what can we say that will make a difference? And mm -hmm. I think the only way we can talk about a subject we can't truly understand is by educating ourselves. Mm -hmm. This week in particular, you know, you and I have really delved into this subject of racism. And I think it's safe to say that we've discovered more than I ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. My eyes have been opened. Yeah. And, you know, this is very much coming from a place of wanting to do better and to be very honest that you know we are listening we are reading we are trying to ask questions of ourselves like say like how do we do better how do we become allies 
in the true sense of the word. And, you know, one of the things that is, is really kind of coming home to me, it's not enough to say I'm not racist. And one of the things I've been looking into is, you know, how to become an anti-racist. You know, how do we acknowledge what is happening as it's happening and, you know, stand up and do something about it? I, like you, have always thought that, you know, I'm not a racist and isn't that enough? But Mm -hmm. it's not, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I want to say to the black community, to the indigenous community and all people of color is that I'm sorry. Because being a white middle class woman, I've never been treated poorly because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. As a white immigrant to Canada, I've never been told to go back to where I came from. And like you, Sue, as a mother of two sons... I've never had to prepare them for the inevitable racist attacks or tell them, you know, if they get stopped by the police, not to make any sudden movements and to keep your hands inside at all times. I've Mm -hmm. never had to do that. Mm -hmm. And I never understood that that's what white privilege is. And when I first heard the term white privilege, I didn't understand what that meant. But I certainly Mm -hmm. do now. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, actually, what you're saying is the mum of boys. I I was having a conversation with my oldest the other day and he was talking about his friendship group. And both of my um, boys have very diverse friendship groups, like way, way more diverse than than mine ever was Mm -hmm. um, at their age. And to be honest, probably now it's, you know, got a lot more diversity to it. And one of the things, you know, as we were discussing how as a a white mum, I've never had to have those conversations. I also had the conversation about how would he stand up with his friends? How will he support his friends? Because there is the possibility that he's going to witness this a lot more firsthand than I am. Mm And I want him to kind of think and and be aware of and consider ways that he can be an ally and be a true ally to to his friends. And, you know, like you say, to all black, indigenous and people of colour, it's it feels as if the time has come to be very practical. It's not enough just to say it. It's it's very much time for action. Yeah, absolutely. And I think. If this past two weeks have taught me anything, it's that my whiteness has afforded me the luxury of being silent. Mm-hmm. I've been at gatherings where people have said something and I found it very distasteful and I've walked away. I was uncomfortable, so I just walked away. And mm-hmm. that's privilege. I felt like I was doing the right thing. And A prominent businessman in Calgary this week was recently called out for his racist comments on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I muted him several years ago because I didn't agree with what he was saying. And I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, I didn't like what he was saying. So I muted him. And Mm -hmm. because I don't consider myself a racist, I thought I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us feel the same way. You know, there are things that are said or things that we witness that we don't like, but we often stay silent. We're uncomfortable, but, you know, our silence Mm -hmm. is a big part of the problem. Yeah, like you say, that does come from a position of privilege that I've never acknowledged before. But, Sue, like, did you ever understand what it meant? Because I sure didn't. No. You know, you would would see things, you would hear things, and you'd be like, well, I, I don't. It was just, well, it doesn't affect me. Yes. 
and I can walk away. And I would, you know, like I say, I've, I've done a huge amount of reflecting and, and thinking about this as well. But when I was a teenager, I was stopped in the middle of the street by a police officer and he went through patting me down and, you know, searching my bag and this, that and the other because I fitted a vague description of someone who had stolen a purse. And I I remember how awful that left me feeling. But what I realise now is that the privileged position that I was in, yes, that happened. Yes, it was awful, but it was over and done with very quickly. There, there were no long-term effects. You know, my life was never at risk from that. And I can't imagine having the, the fear that I felt in that moment. I can't imagine carrying that with you day by day, year by year. No. And having to explain to my children, that's the way we feel. That's privilege. I, and I didn't know that before. No. And I don't think we're the only ones, Sue. I think this is part of the problem is that, you know, black people, indigenous people and all people of colour have been demanding to be heard. You know, we have to listen and we have to stop sitting in our comfortable world. You know, we have to take a long, hard look at ourselves and support the change, demand the change and be part of the change. Yeah. We have to stop watching from the sidelines. And I think we all have to be part of this because that's mm-hmm. I think that's the only way forward. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you, you talked about feeling guilty before, I think sometimes I think we're all guilty in not educating ourselves in racism because mm-hmm. we can tell ourselves that it doesn't affect us. Yeah. I'm not a racist, so I must be good. And to be honest, I've done that in the past because I didn't feel like it was my place to contribute. You know, it wasn't my fight. Yeah. Now I'm realizing that is totally wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to admit that because as we've said many times on this podcast, we are learning every day. And mm-hmm. when you're open to learning, you're open to changing. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to remind ourselves that silence is a luxury we can no longer afford. And I mm-hmm. don't know how you feel about what's going on. I mean, obviously, it's been horrifying to watch the videos that um, we keep seeing on the news. But I think we actually need to be horrified. I think mm-hmm. we need to be shocked and we need to see this to really open our eyes to what is happening. It's easy to sit in our homes and be comfortable and then we can turn off the news because we really don't like what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But we need to consider that what if that was our son or our brother or our father? You know, imagine mm-hmm. watching our son or brother or father being brutally murdered. Yeah. And as women and as mothers, we can no longer afford to sit in that silence. Mm-hmm. I'm horrified and I'm, I, I just feel it on such a visceral level right now that um, mm-hmm. you can probably hear it in my voice, but <laughs> there are no words that I can actually say that describe how I feel about this. Yeah. You know, as I'm saying things, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, does that sound really trite? Does it sound really cheesy? Because I don't want it to come across as that. I'm, you know, I'm very much trying to, you know, come from a, a place of authenticity. And I 100% agree with you. It's watching the um, George Floyd video was something that it actually took me some time to do in its entirety because I found it so upsetting. Mm-hmm. 
and somebody must have made a comment about it on on well like the many many comments about it on twitter but the one that really struck me was that is precisely why you have to watch it because it is horrific and it does make you feel really uncomfortable and that is the only way that change is going to come about absolutely i think we do have to be horrified because if we don't have these strong emotions we're just going to turn it off and carry on with our lives. And, you mm-hmm. know, because really, how does that affect us? Yeah. But more and more of these videos are now coming out. It isn't a one-off anymore. You know, we, these things happen. They show up on our television and we go, oh, that's terrible. And we move on. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the magnitude of it and realize that this is going on every single day, something is happening like this. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know. We, mm-hmm. we just didn't know. And I think we're often really afraid to say the wrong things so we don't say anything at all. It's a difficult climate to kind of navigate through right now because we are so afraid of saying the wrong thing because you're going to be called out. But I think we have to be willing to be called out if we say the wrong thing because we are mm-hmm. all learning this. This is... yeah. I think we have to remember that no one is born a racist, you know, they're taught. Mm -hmm. And our generation went through a school system that was created primarily to teach white history. Mm -hmm. And many of us grew up in areas and communities that were predominantly white. Although I'm not trying to excuse my white, you know, my ignorance, I do understand how we've been blind to it. Mm -hmm. But I think... This is a time now where we know better, so we have to do better. Mm -hmm. And I think those words are more significant now than they've ever been. Yeah. I don't know whether I'll ever be able to read enough. (laughs) No. You know, sometimes like it's, there is so much amazing information out there. And, you know, there are are so many Black, Indigenous and and people of colour that are working really hard to help us understand what they've gone through. And they acknowledge that, you know, they know way better than we do that we haven't experienced this. We, you know, we we don't have the right to say, well, this doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. That that's not for us to say. We don't have that right. You know, I'm I'm so grateful that despite the pain, you know, and the anger and all the other emotions that they must be feeling, that they still are able to put it into words that make it easy for us. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, we, we've, we have to work to to improve things and, and to make changes. A, a lot of this is on us. You can only do so much to educate us. Well, I think that's the thing. You know, we shouldn't be looking to people of colour to educate us and Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people talking about racism that are way more eloquent than I could ever be. But I think, you know, I'm not going to walk away from the conversation and I'm going to do my mm-hmm. best to listen because I've got a lot to learn. I really do. Mm-hmm. So I do want to say, like, I'm sorry for not speaking up before and I'm sorry for not understanding. And I think most of all, I'm sorry for my silence. You know, I'm hoping mm-hmm that we all find it in ourselves to stand up and say enough is enough, that we do want change. And I'm hopeful that this time in history will go down as the time that real change began, because change is Mm -hmm. happening. 
because it has to. It has to change now because we can't go back to how it was. Mm-hmm. The other day I watched the documentary 13th on Netflix and I learned more in that documentary than I've learned in a lifetime. It was shocking that I didn't know what was happening. And I told my husband, my husband has watched it. I watched it again with him because I could not believe what was going on. And Mm -hmm. the injustice that happens because of the color of your skin is absolutely heartbreaking. I'm learning now, I'm delving into all about the residential schools that happened in Canada, which have traumatized our Indigenous people. So I think a lot of times living in Canada, we think we don't have as big of a racism problem as the U.S., but we do. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. I saw a video from 2016, actually, from Michael Che. He's from SNL. And he was saying, all we're asking is to matter. We're not asking for more. We're not asking, you know, for the world. We're just asking that our lives matter. And that's the lowest thing that we can ask for. Mm-hmm. We've talked about equality before, but we've never talked about racial equality, you know, perhaps because we don't live it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah. need to examine our privilege. You know, I actually had to look at what white privilege was because it seemed like it's almost a, a slight or um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure what the word is, but... It didn't seem like a very nice thing anyway. So mm-hmm. I looked it up and all it is, is an advantage or a set of advantages that others do not have. And white privilege is difficult to talk about because we don't want to believe that what we have or how we go through life is easier and that we have an advantage, especially when we may be struggling, right? But Mm-hmm. Privilege doesn't mean that life will be easy in all areas. It just means that whatever happens, we're never at a disadvantage because of the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. all white privilege is. And I think it's important not to feel shame for our, our privilege, but mm-hmm. we need to use it to have these conversations, Sue, like like we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, we absolutely these conversations can help dismantle the privilege in our own small way by we can vote for candidates that support equality and we can speak up for when we witness racism in the workplace or or in our social gatherings mm-hmm. and we can call out people who make racist jokes instead of yep. walking away we walk away because and we don't want to feel like somebody saying oh you can't take a joke mm-hmm. you know i think yep. That's the issue. I think we're scared sometimes to speak out because we'll be that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, over the past few weeks, I have been more vocal with some people than I would previously. And there is almost that kind of stop talking. This isn't for you. This doesn't bother you. Yes, it does bother me. And, you know, sort of one of the things that I've been looking at is um, a guide to allyship. And, you know, it has do's and don'ts. So, you know, lots of the things that we've been talking about is be open to listening, be aware of your implicit biases, do your research to learn more about the history of the struggle in which you are participating, do the inner work to figure out a way to acknowledge how you participate in oppressive systems, 
do the outer work and figure out how to change the oppressive systems, amplify the voices of those without your privilege, both online and when physically present, learn how to listen and accept criticism with grace, even if it's uncomfortable. And then the don'ts, you know, do not expect to be taught or shown. Take it upon yourself to use the tools around you to learn and answer your questions. Don't participate for the gold medal in the oppression Olympics. You don't need to compare how your struggle is just as bad. Don't behave as though you know best. Don't take credit for the labour of those who are marginalised and did the work before you stepped into the picture. And don't assume that every member of an underinvested group feels oppressed. That to me is like, I can work with that. Yeah. You know, when with things like that, I can figure out what I need to do for me to feel more comfortable about raising my voice. And, you know, like I'm definitely more comfortable about doing it online than I am in person. But do you think that's changing, Sue? I kind of think doing this podcast might help with that. Because, you know, it's stripping another layer of that sort of social media mask away. Mm-hmm. You know, what you see on social media, it, it's very easy just to like things and reshare them and everything and not necessarily to have put a lot of thought into it. But this, you know, I'm, I'm hoping as well. I'm making myself accountable. And I think the more of us that do that, the easier it will become. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think if we all step up and, and step out of that silence, I mean, I am so guilty of that. Because I didn't want to make waves, mm-hmm. didn't want to be mm-hmm. that one. And I, you know, I remember getting into a heated discussion with someone about immigration. They asked why I care so much. And I said, well, because I'm an immigrant. And they said, yeah, well, we're not talking about you. Mm-hmm. I know what they were trying to say. And I couldn't find the words to really make my point known at that time. You know, this was mm-hmm. years ago and I didn't feel confident enough. Mm-hmm. But I'm not afraid to say something anymore. And I guess that's what it is. We we can't be fearful for what we say. Mm-hmm. Do think we need to be, like you said, allies. And if we see something, we have to say something. Yeah. And the other thing I've been looking at as well is microaggressions, which was, you know, again, something pretty new to me. And, you know, they're the little things that we, with our white privilege, don't pay much attention to. But they are, you know, they can be very, very heavily loaded. So one of the things that I was reading is, you know, that black men often talk about their experience of being followed in stores, you know, just checking out what they're doing, where they're going, you know. Mm-hmm. And also having, you know, they, they get into an elevator and people kind of move or they just hold their purse a little bit tighter. And I was thinking, I, I've probably done that, you know, but. It's not been something I've even noticed that I'm doing. Like that just, I don't know. To us, they, you know, we think they're a tiny little thing. Like they're so small, we don't even notice that we're doing them. And yet they're they're really big. Like when you have those things over and over again, yeah, they're massive. And I think what we don't do is put ourselves in their shoes If you watch that documentary 13th on Netflix, it explains how we have been fed this constant, you know, we need to be afraid. Mm -hmm. People of other races, we need to be afraid of them. 
And this is why. And this is why we need to put money into law enforcement. And this is why we need to build bigger prisons. And this is why we need to stop every black man in the street because he must be up to no good. Mm -hmm. That documentary really explains why we've been fed that our entire yeah. lives, really. And it is absolutely shocking, like so yeah. shocking. I'm actually going to watch it again because I, I really need to absorb it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It explains like why we've been mm -hmm. brought up in this white privileged world to look at everybody else as inferior to us. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say that, Sue, because I never thought that. But we talked last week about growing up with nursery rhymes that had racism in them. Yep. We didn't know what they meant, but we were taught them. No clue what was going on. The nursery rhymes thing, it was just, well, well, it's fine because we were taught them. Well, why was it fine when you were taught them? It's like, it's not fine for, for me to have learned them. And I'm certainly not passing them on to my children. And even, you know, sort of, th there are still some things that I see that shock me. And the way that, that words are used, because, you know, growing up, I was told, you know, there are some words you never, ever use. And... I am like, yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to use that word because it, it's not, I've no need to, to use so many of the derogatory terms. You know, I, I suppose that's one thing about growing up, being fairly careful about what you say. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't have, like a lot of the words that I see bandied around in conversation, they're not words that I've ever used. And I'm really grateful for that small mercy that they're not part of my vocabulary. Yeah. I think what happened to George Floyd started a massive movement. And mm -hmm. these protests have to go on every single day until change is happening. There's a lot of talk about change. There's a lot yep. of discussions and conversations at all levels of government. But mm -hmm. until there is change, until there's dismantling of the you know systemic racism that we all have in every single country. Yeah. We need to see the change. Mm -hmm. Today, I was reading on social media that the band Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A yep. today because they mm -hmm. didn't realize what Antebellum meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I was reading an article last night about, you know, there's kind of a, well, I guess it's probably not a trend. It's probably been around for years and years and years of having these big sort of weddings on the plantation. And so there are a few of the, the brides who are saying how, you know, they felt a little bit uncomfortable knowing that was where the slaves lived and, and worked. But, you know, they were fine to go ahead with it. And the word antebellum came up there as well. And I'd never kind of made that connection. No, I mean, they didn't either. No. So when I saw that today, I was like, good. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, when they know better, they do better. And I think... Mm -hmm. That's all I think that the Black, the Indigenous and all people of colour have been asking for all of these years mm -hmm. is to open your eyes and help us because yeah. we haven't. We thought we were. Yeah. You know, I think we all thought, well, I'm not a racist and, you know, that's good enough. But obviously uh -huh. it's not. Yeah. The information is overwhelming and I cannot believe that I'm this age and I didn't know any of it. Like that mm -hmm. is shameful. To me, I am, I'm ashamed of that. But I learned today that when they abolished slavery, the British slave owners had to be compensated. And this was, I think, 1883 because they were losing their assets. 
So they were compensated by the British government. And because it was so much money that the British government couldn't pay, they had to take out massive loans to pay these slave owners. And they just finished paying off that loan in 2015. Just unbelievable. Like, how do we not know these things? You know, when you think about it, like history lessons, I remember learning about the Romans, the Vikings, the Egyptians. We did learn about the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Uh, we learned about the World Wars, learned about Henry VIII and various other kings. Mm-hmm. Because I was in Lancashire, we learned about the War of the Roses. Did we ever learn anything about slavery, um, slave owners, um, colonialism? No. No. No, no we didn't. That There's a lot of British history that, that is really very unpleasant. And I guess the easiest way to kind of bury it is to just not teach it. No. Which is appalling. And I really hope that there are changes to the the curriculums so that kids are are learning about this so that they understand because this isn't just a historical issue this is a health issue it's an economic issue it's you know every single aspect of life and we need to do better we need to do better now for the next generations like we we need to be teaching them better so that they know better they can do better because it's we, we can't go through this again we, we can't have so 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 many people who are being told that they they essentially don't matter if you don't teach it how would we ever know what happened mm-hmm. and you know things are happening every day there are changes every single day so who knows what's going to happen tomorrow but i think mm-hmm. we're at least moving in the right direction yes and it's still going to be hard and there's still going to be a lot to take on board and to learn yeah but yeah we we gotta we gotta do it we might have to have another discussion about this mm-hmm. you know this like i said right at the beginning you know i had a lot of concerns about doing this podcast and you know sort of again <laughs> thinking about it that that's white privilege mm-hmm you know, I was able to feel concerned about it and worried about it because it's it's very difficult to talk about. I'm very, very glad that we have spoken about it. You know, I think we've learned a lot. I think we have an awful lot more to learn. So we'll continue to learn like we have done from the very beginning. You know, we're already witnessing change. We're hearing the discussions. We're seeing people called out on social media. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that this will continue because there's nothing like the present time to make changes and yep. they need to be done. Changes need to happen. Yep. So let's continue to be the change, to demand change and stay safe. And until next time, bye for now. Bye. Before you go, we legally have to tell you that all the opinions and information we share on this podcast is based on our own personal experiences and should never be taken as professional advice. We may sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about, but the Taming Crazy podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so please consult with a qualified professional for any and all health advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.